What's up, Atlanta? Welcome into Locked On Sports Atlanta. It's our ATL hangout here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I'm Mark Zeno, joined by John Chuckery, Jarvis Davis, Tanisha Batiste, everybody here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. Great to be with you guys on this Friday. How is everybody doing? Cool. Yeah, good. Wonderful. I mean, listen, ready for week two. <laughs> yeah. We got Ozzy's back. Ozzy is back. We got this weekend. Uh, there's Braves baseball, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to talk about and a lot to do. Um, let's get it started, guys, here with the Falcons. Um, listen, we, we're all still living in the wake of what happened in week one, and it certainly wasn't how any of us thought it was going to go or thought it was going to be. But, you know, they go on to take the take on the ending champs this weekend in L.A. What you expect to be a much tougher test than New Orleans. This is a, a Rams team that has three extra days rest. They're ticked off because they got beat badly in week one at home. Uh, this could be a bloodbath, or could it be another game where the Falcons can hang tight for 60 minutes? Well, 57 minutes. <laughs> I well, certainly if they can – oh, go ahead, Jarvis. I think one of the things that um, you got to really look at, Mark, is, is the fact that, you know, there are some several different factors coming into this game, right? You know, you, oh, the Rams offensive line has some injuries that they're dealing with, and then also, you know – yeah, the Saints, you know, have Cam Jordan, but, you know, the Rams also have Aaron Donald. So, you know, Elijah Wilkinson, I went back and watched the film. That dude had a really solid game. He's going to have to have a, a, a whole nother one just to contain Donald. I'm not saying he's going to be able to um, stop him, but he and Drew Dahlman are going to have to figure out a way how they can uh, double-team him pretty consistently throughout this game. Yeah, if you can control the line of scrimmage in the NFL, you're going to be in every game. So if their offensive line can do what it did last week, if their defensive line. Now, obviously, it's a different matchup. The Rams have the best defensive player we've seen in 25 years. And, you know, if the as our buddy Randy Max says, football's easy, coaches make it hard. If you can control at the line of scrimmage, then you can be in every football game. If you can't, then that's how you get blown out and turned sideways and everything else in the league. And I think what you guys mentioned is so important, especially for what Mark mentioned. It's not the 57 minutes, it's the three minutes. So if the Falcons can execute their game plan, not be so concerned about, and obviously I know what you're saying, Jarvis, but not be so focused on what Aaron Donald can do, but focus on what Elijah Wilkinson needs to do. Not so focused on what Cooper Cup or Van Jefferson, if he's if he to go, is able to do. But what is your secondary going to do to ensure that there's not another Michael Thomas part two this this coming weekend so i think that's a critical component there as well play calling late game execution if the falcons are able to kind of stay in it and keep this game competitive what happens in those final critical minutes or if there's a need for a four minute offense or a two minute offense are you able to actually execute and close the deal that's what we're going to need to see and that requires every guy out there whether you're right there um, in the trenches or whether you're the other seven to just every man do his job. I am not somebody who is really all that upset about the lead being blown in the grand scheme of things. I, and I've talked about this all week long. You have to take a 30,000 foot view with this team. You can't get caught up in any specific game, meaning more than anything else. Look, this it, by all accounts is not a playoff team. Uh, now, could losing games like this be the difference between being close to a playoff team and not sure, but for all the progress that was made in week one, if you can be competitive in games like that against superior teams with better talent, that to me is says more about where they are in the rebuild process than anything else. And that's what I'm more interested in. Uh, 
I don't care if they blow another 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the Rams. Show me you can hang with a team that just won the Super Bowl for 55 minutes, and I'll show you a team that's only two or three players away from being a playoff team next year. Well, I think the thing, Mark, now, I is – care, and I don't want to see them get blown out. Yeah. Right. Just don't get blown out. Right. But I think but also, too, that Mark thing, is, I want to see what their superstars are going to do. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think I think the difference is what the head coach has talked about in changing the culture. Look, they're not a winning organization by nature over the last handful of years, even with the 60,000 you know, yard Hall of Fame potential quarterback. They've not been a winning organization like they were early in Matt's career. So you're trying to change the culture. That would have been a nice step last week to win that game at home because they're seven and 18 at home in the last three years in a game and against your division rival who you've not played well against. So I, I do think in a game like last week, there would be a lot to, I mean, there's a lot to take away that's good, but there would be a lot to take away if they had found a way to win that game last week. Yeah. I mean, look, if they played the Rams last week and it went that way, there would be a completely different reaction because it was the saints. It, it takes a different look. And I think the coaching staff understands that. And I mean, I'm that, I'm, and that's the thing, right? That, I think I you just said it, Mark. Wait, it's, it's, it's because they played the Saints, yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna say that it, that's why you play, you played against, the, you played against the Saints. That's why it matters, right? Because um, I remember being in the press box during the game, and, and I've never seen Mercedes Benz like that before. Like the way that the crowd was into the game, the way they got louder when uh, the Falcons were on defense. It just it was just a different atmosphere. I haven't seen anything like that since the Georgia Dome when Michael Vick was playing because it was just a certain type of atmosphere, and that's what Arthur Smith wants, right? So I think that you know when you get yourselves in the situations where you got the crowd behind you, you got you got that home field advantage, so to speak, because we know there were not a lot of Saints fans there, and you don't hear them, and you heard those Falcons fans. I think you got to take advantage of that. that um, of that moment because just like Chuck said, if you're trying to change the culture, you gotta take advantage of those little moments right there because they absolutely matter when you're talking about keeping butts in the seats um in the home and in in the Mercedes Benz. Go ahead, T. Yeah, so I just wanted to what I was kind of saying earlier is this. I I I hear what you're saying, Mark, but for me, it wasn't so much that I was upset, by the way. I wasn't one of those who was having a meltdown over what happened last weekend. But rather, I just want to see execution. I want to see late game execution. I want to see the, the Falcons prove that they can win. But I also want to see the Falcons take some of the pieces there because I think they left some things on the table, right? So when you take a look at Kyle Pitts and how he was utilized, for example, that's an opportunity that the Falcons can take advantage of, trying to figure out how to get him more involved, especially when you get in that low red zone. And you're bringing back Tyler Algier. In all likelihood, you're not going to have Damian Williams. Let's see what Tyler all you're able to do to kind of bolster your ground game because there were some questions about whether or not there was a there was a pitch count if you will for cp so if that's the case and you want to kind of pull him away from the ground game and give tyler algier an opportunity i'd love to see some of those things kind of come to the forefront and again give the falcons just that opportunity to show us to your point how they've grown whether or not that results in a w not sure but at least if it shows us progress and a reset from last week, I also think that's huge. Well, we didn't look like there was a pitch count on CP. That's for darn sure at 22 carries, which is not sustainable for him over the course of 17 games. However, Chuckery, you and I 
we'll diverge here on this topic uh, about the running game. And we'll get to that in just a second. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, your favorite sports and events right there at betonline.net. You can find news and reviews of every single league with the NFL and college football in full swing. You're going to get a ton of information each day on the website, of course, Major League Baseball playoffs getting ready to come. We have NBA and NHL right around the corner. There's combat sports, esports, and even golf. It's all right there at Bet Online. They continue to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, uh, Chuck, I want to defer to you here real quick because uh, I know that uh, I was listening to you the other night on your radio show, and I know that you also have felt this way, that Tyler Algier kind of needs to get in the game sooner rather than later. I'd like you to expound on it because I'm going to counter. Well, first off, you drafted him. That's number one, is that you drafted him for a reason. You drafted him in the fifth round. And let's face it, if your options are Damian Williams or Avery Williams to run the football, then that should be pretty much a no-brainer. Damian Williams is a guy who can't stay healthy, so he proved that again on Sunday. That's why he's where he's at in the league right now. And Avery Williams is literally a running back because that's just what they designated him at. He's your return guy, right? I mean, if you drafted Avery Williams and he was a guy who carried a heavy workload at BYU and you gave him 17 carries and four receptions in the preseason in three games, let's use him. Let's see what he's got. If he falls on his face for this team, fine. He falls on his face, but not because he didn't get a chance to play but at least give him a shot and let's see what he's got. He can't be any less useful than what Damian Williams is going to be for this team this season. There's a reason why Damian Williams is where he's at in the league. All right, but 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 explain this. Further. The reason you want to use a second back is because you don't believe that CP3. Oh, yeah. Uh, or CP84, I should say. CP3, wrong game, yeah. wrong guy. Not that CP. He's also <laughs> old. Um, but, you know, Cordero Patterson, it, it, you know, 22 carries a game is not sustainable for a 31-year-old who is also often injured. So that's right. the reason we're talking about a backup here. But I would contend this, and I said this earlier in the week. Um, I don't need to rush Tyler Algier into anything because the fact of the matter is at some point in time, Cordell Patterson's hurt this year. He's going to miss time. Like, that is that is a bet that I'm willing to make. I would literally rather, because he is the more explosive option, he's the better runner, he's the better everything than every other back they have in that running back room, squeeze every last ounce of juice out of that lemon and run him into the ground until he physically can't do it anymore because he's going to give this team the best chance to win football games. And that's what Arthur Smith ultimately wants. Arthur Smith is out here to win games more than anything right now. He said it over and over. They said it through the preseason. So I would rather just use Cordero Patterson to the max until he either gets hurt or the wheels fall off the wagon or it just doesn't work anymore because that's going to give you the best chance to win games. You're going to find out what Tyler Algier has at some point this year. I don't need to have him have it happen. If CP84 and, and, and the Falcons start out 1-7, Guess what? Your season's done anyway. Then I'm going to turn to backups and see what they are regardless because the season is over. So I'm going to start evaluating talent. But until I get to that point, I want the best players that I have on the roster, on the field as often as possible. And that's why I don't care who the backup is at this point. Give me CP84. Give me Cordero as much as he physically can stand it until it all breaks. Well, I would say if you can give Patterson his career high before Sunday was 16 carries. So if I said I can give 16 to 18 carries to Patterson, but I can give eight to 10 to Tyler Algier, I'd take that. I mean, uh, I I would, let me put it this way. 
you, you know when everybody tried to sell me on the idea of, well, you know, Jalen Mayfield's third round picking this, that, and the other. Okay, you could have put anybody in his position and been better than the worst guy in the league. That proved out on Sunday. Elijah Wilkinson had their highest passing grade among their offensive. So you could literally put anybody in and get more results. Can I tell you, you can put anybody in over Damian Williams and get more than a broken down guy who's only good for two carries. It just so happens Algier is the guy that they drafted and is on the roster. If you want to tell me they're going to bring Allison back, but Damian Williams is not an answer. And 22 carries puts uh, Patterson on a pace of 374. Well, there's only three guys ever in the history of the NFL since 2000 that have run for 300 carries and been 31 or older. Thomas Jones, uh, Curtis Martin, and Tiki Barber. That's it. Before then, John Riggins, Tony Dorsett, Walter Payton. That's the guys you got to go back to. So it's not sustainable, but you don't have, you know, it's not Michael Turner backing up Ladanian Tomlinson. But it doesn't have to be sustainable for 17 games, though, I think is the point. It just has to be sustainable enough to figure out whether you're actually going to be competitive. Because, look, if you're if through the first seven games, somehow they're three and four, then things are working. So why would you change it? Why would you go away from it if, if you're ending up three and four after the, given the schedule you're playing? Things are working for you. Stick with it until because you have a player who's never done what's being asked of him. Right. You, you literally are having a guy some... who's never had to do this before having to right. do it. Now. He's never done it. And there may be something to be said about the fact that when you look at the pass versus rush ratio in those waning minutes of that week one game, the 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 scheme the the strategy kept going away from CP. I understand that you say, yeah, maybe you know there shouldn't be a pitch counter. There wasn't. But there's a question about whether or not there was they, – they definitely did not plan to have him run that – carry that ball 22 times. I, I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to bet a – put a stake on that. So if that's the case and there's some semblance of a pitch count, then, yeah, you have to get Tyler Algier slowly but surely involved because you really never wanted to go past about 15, 16, 17 carries for CP, and that's probably why you only saw him at 22 versus 25 because, let's face it, if CP had had that ball probably – Two or three more times, that game also could have turned out a bit differently. But on the same token, if you'd already kind of worked that horse more than you had planned to, maybe that's why you scaled back a little bit more on Sunday, last Sunday, and maybe that's why you're still kind of evaluating and wanting to see where you can insert Tyler Algier in. I mean, how many games do you need to figure out what you have with Algier? Five? Why can't I, I don't, do in games 12 17? I don't think you need that because, like, we he they they just drafted him this year. They've already evaluated him. They know what they have in him. Like, 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 like Chuck said, he had seven. They gave him seventeen carries in the first game because my here my whole thing is like when I saw that that he wasn't dressing on Sunday, I'm just like, okay. My whole thing, my first thing to go always out like that's why. Why didn't he dress? Because here's the thing. Here's what keeps rookie running backs off the field in their in their in in, in, in their first years in NFL: pass blocking, pass protection. What Tyler Algier, I know for a fact that that dude can pass block. And he that's one of his greatest assets. And then for you to keep a guy like that off the field, I want to know why. Why did you keep him off the field? And I think there's no reason for you to keep him off the field because that's one of the, he's already surpassed the threshold for getting on the field, right? You know, maybe or not whether or not he can play special teams, that may have something to do with it, I'm sure. Because those rookies, when you're a fifth-round pick, hey, you got to figure out how to do something on special teams in order to be able to dress each and every Sunday to be a part of that 48. But I think that Tyler Algier is a guy that's capable. I don't think we're talking about capability. I'm talk I think we're talking about num from a number standpoint of whether or not why he's not being on the field from a special, 
special teams stand for. No, I, I believe Arthur Smith in that. I mean, the, the math is 100% correct. It's 48, right? Then it's 45 in specialists, 44 with a backup quarterback. After right. that, you got 22 total offensive and defensive starters. So now you're down to 22 guys. You're going to carry more than the, the three wide receivers. So you got three more at wide receiver. Now we're down to 19. You have at least three more at cornerback, if not four. Now you're down to like 15. Right? You're going to have three extra backup offensive linemen. Now you're down to 12. You have two or three extra linebackers who go in coverage. Now we're down to nine. Right, like These are standards. And oh, by the way, you have to have more than one running back. So you're going to have two or the three other ones. Yes, could he have been two or three of the other ones? But the point simply is, and then you have four tight ends this team carries because Arthur Smith goes through them like they're Kleenex. You know, but now you're down to single digits um, as far as what you have left. And oh, by the way, some guys only play on special teams for that specific reason. So you know, I, I truly believe him when he said it was sure, it was purely a numbers thing. Um, and right. just, like they, I think they feel like they have enough time to really see what game speed, real things look like beyond the preseason, beyond what they saw on film and on tape, that they're not worried about figuring out what they have with them now. And I still think giving the ball to CP3 until if it's 22, 25 times, fine. I don't, he's not he's not part of the long-term plans for this team anyway. He's gone after this year regardless. And if he's not, he's a, he's a secondary player. So I, I'd rather use what I can with him now and see what happens. Well, that's why they're putting him back on kickoffs is you might as well squeeze everything you can out of him, right? Yeah. I mean, you you only put him back there on kickoffs if you think he can actually improve what you're already doing, right? So that's why right. you put him back there. But again, you drafted a you drafted a rookie for a reason. If you if you didn't want a running back, then don't draft him. I mean, I, with all due respect to Damian Williams and some of these vagabonds that that they trot out there, let me see. Eric Harris team. too. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I mean, again, the reason why Eric Harris played one snap on Sunday because at this point he's a vagabond. For God's sake. Thank God he's not on the field. <laughs> you know he was in on that play when um when um uh Taysom Hill took off. Dean yeah, Marlowe and, and Eric Harris yeah. were in that safety yeah. on that particular they play. They didn't bring yeah. Fabian Moreau back for a few snaps. <laughs> no, no. I, we, we don't mention his name on on, on this show. Uh, tired. Uh, show. <laughs> yes, hey. he stay away. No, 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 no. We don't need that. <laughs> All right. Uh, of You know, I did this earlier in the week, and I'm curious to, to get your guys' thoughts on this. We play a game called uh, Anomaly or Reality. So I'll give you this scenario. You tell me whether you think the game week, week one what we saw was an anomaly or it's something that could be a reality for the rest of the year. So, for example, uh, Jarvis, we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Not 200 yards rushing, but let's just say, you know, 150 yards per game rushing. Reality or anomaly? Oh, wow. Man, that's a – are you a, a better a head better like are you are you do you set numbers because that's a great number <laughs> um I mean, look, it, it's probably, average 130 yards a game like this that's yeah. dynamic yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah I don't, put you browns and some of those teams levels in the nfl if you're 150 right. a week so just get to 120 yeah. like can they get yeah. a, a can they yeah, be a consistent give me a, yard yeah. rushing team? Uh, uh, give me 120 that's the number i'd take every week if i could get that i think 120 is very doable because you, you add the mobile quarterback piece into there, right? And there are going to be some runs that are going to be some call runs from Marcus Mariota, and there are going to be some runs where, hey, he might be running for his life. He's trying to get away, and he's going, you know, trying to get what he can get. So I think that – He's going to be hurt by week six if he keeps taking off. Like, it's, it, it's just bound to happen. I mean like, – When I asked Arthur Smith about sliding, he, his eyes went out and went, yes. 
Like he literally, you know, when I asked him, are you talking to Marcus about sliding? Yes, I'm talking to Marcus about sliding. Well, how like, about Mariota's is... response, though? How about, how about oh, when yeah. he was asked about That's how it I've been week? playing since I was young. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, like, with all due respect, he doesn't know how to do all that. He's never no. – he again, this isn't Colorado that he's going up against. Or, Somebody call you know, Tom Amansky. We need a sliding drill. Yeah. <laughs> I like for all the people who want to see um, uh, Desmond Ritter, I guess they, they want him to run, right? <laughs> The, the anomaly of them being able to run the ball with that measure of success, was was week one an anomaly or is it going to be a reality for them? So I think it was an anomaly. And if your number at, at 150 is reality, that's reality either. So yeah. I'm thinking if we're scaling. So two, 220, anomaly. 150, anomaly. Unless you consider Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter whenever he starts playing, considering that a part of the rush game, for what Jarvis said is nine rushes, but if we're the numbers talking about for Philadelphia last back. year, they counted for, for the Ravens. Right yeah, all, all that quarterback stuff counts. I mean, it, it's just it, it's not a necessarily designed that way, but it makes you a better rushing team. Chuckery, what about you? Yeah, I, look, if, if you look, they were eighty-five yards a game last year. If they're staying consistently over a hundred, I'd take that. But if you could tell me that they're one hundred and twenty every week, yeah, absolutely. And look, those guys would rather pass, or sorry, rather block up front so if that's going to be your strength yeah if you can tell me we're about 120 uh let's go to another one here Tanitra. well four sacks per game is not realistic let's just say two sacks a game uh anomaly or reality yeah that i actually go you- a little higher i'll go with two and a half and okay, fine. <laughs> i think two and a half <laughs> is absolutely reality yeah i think really? two and a half is absolutely reality I think that's the yeah, biggest anomaly of week one four sacks yeah. We just right, lost but, but on the same token, but on the same token, we did see some good, some positive things, right? So we saw some, we saw some obviously some solo sacks, right? But you saw Grady Jarrett, you saw Lorenzo Carter, you saw there being some combination there, and also when you think about the pressures and the QB hits, there were a lot of times where the Falcons defense almost got home and didn't quite get there. The other reason I say two and a half sacks is because believe the DMPs is going to go back to more blitzing, although he says 42% versus 47% that he was still at 42% in the fourth quarter for 7% of the game. And I get that, but the eye test didn't quite look like that. How If he goes back to blitzing more, uh, especially towards the end of the game, coupled with the fact that he is bringing blitz packages from his secondary, I do think you can get to two and a half sacks because Jalen Hawkins almost got home last week. So it almost was four and a half or five sacks. That's why I'm saying two and a half is reality. What about you, Jarvis? I think it's, I think more so, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with Tanitra because when you think about, you know, how much, you know, um, Dean Pease wants to bring pressure, and I think he has the more confidence he gets in the back end of that defense, which I think he does have. Um, I think that you know, you'll see those guys start different levels of guys coming because we know he likes the blitz from all three levels, right? You know, it went from linebacker, whether or not it be Richard Grant. We saw that on Sunday where he was um, freed up coming through the middle of the other defense and putting pressure on and making and, and making uh, James Winston throw throw and having that throw. So I think those are some of the things that I, I'm definitely going to continue to look out for. And I think that, you know, Arnie Abicati only had, what, 26 snaps, right? He had a sack and a hurry. If Adio Kandeji doesn't uh, get his stuff together, I think we're going to start seeing more of that rookie. And like the more guys that are capable of getting home gets on the field, I think that two and a half is definitely doable. Chuckery, the pass rush, uh, anomaly or reality? 
Um, probably not that many a week, but if you could tell me that they could average two sacks a week, I, I would say that that's realistic. If you can be in the 30s, look, the magic number in the NFL is 40. That That's the go, go look at your defenses of playoff teams and things like that. 40 sacks is the, the magical number. If you can get there, typically, yeah, I mean, typically mm-hmm. there. I don't know if they're quite ready for 40 yet, even in a 17-game season. But if you can be 30-35 compared to what it was last year, that'd be a major win. And they can – they look, 35, I'll take that all season long. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, we'll get to one more and here. that's a great one, too, because – Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, because, Mark, that literally – I love the way that John put that. If we're looking at it, and I know it's kind of anomaly versus reality, like four versus two, but if you look at it like, can you at least double? Is that reality for you to double your total from last year? I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with you're going to double that. All right, let's get a quick word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Don't know about you guys. I start my day every morning. Very yes. simple routine. I walk downstairs. I get my little K-cup from Coffee AM, drop it in the, in the, in the Keurig, and I get my coffee from Kenya, Costa Rica, Tanzania, Sumatra, wherever the hell these places are. I don't even know. <laughs> I do know, but I just want to make it. Those are right out, they're right outside of Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where in the world is your coffee AM from is a, is a better question. But that's the selection that they got, guys, on their website. Fresh and, and roasted on the same and shipped on the same day or close to it. So you know, like, when the box gets to your house, you're going to open it up. That smell's going to smack you right in the face, and it is absolutely delicious. So you guys go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Check out that full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Again, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets from the best small batch coffee roaster in America, Coffee AM. And again, coffeeam.com. All right, uh, with the Falcons, guys, as they take on the Rams here, what what are the things that from week one, you know, you want to see carry over or where do they need to improve as they head into this? What I think is going to be a very tough contest with the Rams. I think one of the things that you have to kind of take a look at for me is kind of just looking at some of the numbers and going back and looking over the things that were happening in that Saints game. I want I want uh, Marcus Mariota to be a little bit more efficient in the pocket, right? You know when they, you know when they don't send pressure because I think he's what nine for seventeen. You know when when they actually literally forced him to throw throw the football. So I think that if he can maybe hit Kyle Pitts like he's supposed to down the field, you know on some of those and take some deep shots down the field, I think that will help that offense be a little bit more uh, efficient because like it's it's hard scoring doing 12 to 13 play drives because you're you know you're trying to run the football and trying to establish something and and you're not really hitting your shots when you take them on play action so i think that if i want to see marcus martiota throw from the pocket i know that it's an advantage for him to use his legs i get that i understand that part of it but team the book is going to be out out on you if you don't if you continue to struggle in those moments and i think marcus martiota has to be able to take advantage of that if this offense is going to show any type of consistency. I'd love to see the pass rush carry over. I mean, we saw shades of, uh, and, and, you know, I'm an Arnold Evacati fan, so I'm just going to go right there. We saw shades of what he could do in less than 40 snaps. What if he gets a little, a few more snaps this go round? And Dean Pease talked about opening up the playbook 100% for this defense. Hmm, what if he only opened it up 80 or 90% last week and he's feeling more confident that he can open that up? Let's not act like Matthew Stafford is the most mobile quarterback in the world. And let's not act like therefore the uh, Falcons can not get to him. So I'm just looking 
carry over. That's one thing I'm willing to do to just uh, get more sex and also just bring more pressure against him. Because a lot of times we kind of look at the numbers and we say, oh, you know, was it four sex or was it two sex or two and a half sex? But I also think if you can get him off of his rhythm and get him off that, that rhythm early and keep him off that rhythm, that could also bode well for the Falcons. Pitts in London in the red zone. I mean, marked is still a military mm. term. Yep. An unused weapon is a useless weapon. And if you're going to sell me on back-to-back top 10 picks of pass catchers and their size and physicality and red zone threat and all that, then target them when you're in the red zone. They don't catch it. Maybe that's one thing. But if you're not going to target them and you're not going to make some attempts to get them the football when you're down deep, you're not going to change up the culture of your offense. Not, ever, not They're not going to be able to just run it right at everybody every single week. And there are going to be times when your quarterback's going to have to make some plays and get creative with those two guys. I know they targeted Pitts twice at the 25-yard line, but no targets for either of those guys. That's that's not acceptable, especially when you've got that much capital invested in those two guys. Well, again, I, I think you know there is a certain amount of – and I have been hyped – I've, I've been you know harping on the, the Kyle Pitts target number all off season seven is it's probably one or two targets too low, but when you know you're you're giving seven to Pitts and seven to Drake London, he's probably going to snag some targets away from him just because he's at least in week one he looked like a little bit of a mismatch at times, uh, comparatively speaking to what was out there, and that's not a bad secondary either in New Orleans. Those guys are actually pretty good, so yeah. um, I, I'm willing to concede that if they're both getting around seven and seven, that's a hundred and 119 targets for the year. If they if they average that over the course, 120 targets for the year. Ideally, I'd want Pitts in the 140 range so he can catch about 110 balls. But um, game to game, all that varies. And look, when you're playing with a lead, it's different. Like you have to take that into account. And I don't mind them uh, looking at or, or looking away from those guys in a game with the lead and running the ball in the red zone. But I will say this much, that you, you allude to a certain point. Their red zone conversion numbers this week have to be nearly flawless. You cannot settle for three against the Rams team. Kicking is for losers, uh, and I don't care how good Young Way Koo is, uh, but nonetheless, this is not a team that can afford to settle for three. Uh, I, I hope Arthur Smith understands that when you're playing a team like this on the road, that I'm okay with you going for it on fourth down, and if your defense played like it did last week, put them back on the field and let them try to go out there and slow down the Rams offense. Uh, I, I mean, you're, you're not going to have an answer for Cooper Cup, so I don't think you can figure that out one way or another. You just have to hope he can't beat you alone. And from that standpoint, if they can stop the run and take care of everybody else, I give him a fighting chance in this game. I give him a puncher's chance. I like him to cover the number. I'm not going to bet it, but you know, if you give me 10 points with a team that uh, was that good last week uh, that I thought looked really good, uh, I, I would do it again. But I, I think the red zone thing really has to start to manifest itself. As you pointed out, Chuck, that, it, it, you know, whether it's using those guys or anybody else, but they've got to be a team that can score six more than well, three. I, I think the number to watch, too, is Mariota had 33 pass attempts last week. How does that number fall in line with what he really is? I mean, do you really want Marcus Mariota throwing it 33 times? I know it's a different league and we're in the modern age of throwing the football around, but you know, is 33 too much for him? Is that just about right? That's I'm going to be very curious to see the attempts that Marcus Mariota has over these next several weeks, if if this last week was an anomaly or if that's more of the norm of 30-plus passes per week for him. I hope it's an anomaly because, to me, maybe if it's an anomaly, maybe that means that that run game is closer to what we want it to be. Well, and the 33 passes are a problem because he's not a very accurate, high-completion percentage quarterback and hasn't been throughout his career. I don't think that's right. a terrible number. 
you know, I, I think once you start to get north of 33 and you're in that 35 range, that's when you're opening up the door for a lot more interceptions and everything else. The problem is, is that he only completes about 62, 63 percent of his passes. And in today's NFL, that's low. You know, 15 well, years, that was great. Today, it's low. But if you look, though, you, you 40 attempt quarterbacks in the league are reserved for your high caliber yes. guys. That, that's your Aaron Rod. I mean, when you start looking at 40 attempts is the magic number. But when you start to get over 40, you rarely win in the NFL. So even with Rodgers and Breeze and all the and Matt Ryan and all those guys in that day, you don't want guys to I mean, you start getting into 33 attempts. You are more headed toward 40 than you are back to to 25 at that at that point. I think that's. I, I just think the attempt number. Look, if they get blown out, they may not have a choice. But thirty-three is probably a handful more than I want to see Marietta huck the ball around. The only counter argument I have is that the the more he throws, the more he can put the ball in the hands of Pitts in London because there's well, no yeah. way to give it to him. Well, as long as he targets him, sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't want Marietta taking off that much. Like I, I think that's a recipe for failure for this offense. I think, but you have, but I do, th I do believe that you have to use him in that manner, right? Like not necessarily call runs, but I think the threat of him being able to run. So if in order for him to be a threat to run, you have to, you have to run him. So because I think it gives the defense something else to think about, and I think that Arthur Smith needs that in order for his his offense to run efficiently. All right, final thoughts here, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up here uh, as we, we've gone heavy uh, into the Atlanta Falcons um, and, and their game on on Sunday. But let's uh, pivot real quick here uh, to Georgia on Saturday, South Carolina. Uh, if I would have told you guys heading into week three, the second best passing attack in the country would belong to the Georgia Bulldogs. You might look at me a little bit sideways, but that is that is the case right now at 395 yards per game. Through the air, um, you're starting to see Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart, for that matter, sort of bring this offense into 2022 a little bit more. Uh, they're going up against a South Carolina team that's giving up 247 yards per game on the ground. This would be a game that, you know, five years ago, Kirby Smart would have salivated over and would have ran the ball right down their throats. I don't see it happening. I, I think he's going to balance the run in the pass as much as he can. Um, I, I think Georgia's going to cover this number as well at 24 and a half. The last uh, three of the last four meetings were. Georgia scored in the 40s and didn't give up more than 17. So uh, it, it's right there. That said, how do you guys see this Georgia offense? What's the limit of it? And uh, and what are they going to do on Saturday? Well, well I one think thing that, you said that I really like is the fact that uh, the I, I think there's going to be a balanced attack as well. It was interesting because you never kind of think of – we all think of Georgia's RBU, but you never kind of think of them as having struggles, if you will, on the ground. But yeah, when you're talking about 57 carries and around 259 yards, that's a little bit different for what we're expecting. However, I think it's also a matter of taking what the defense gives you, right? So if those defenses in those first couple of games gave you that, and then if South Carolina gives you the same, because that's not a strong suit for them, then you take, you take what that defense gives you. And I don't think that's a big issue. And I think, too, theirs are kind of like hybrid as well because they do some, you know, they do have some plays in there that could that are right there on the borderline of it's maybe not um, out of the backfield per se, but maybe it's just that kind of pitch and catch situation. So I, I kind of agree with you. I think it could be very, very balanced. But again, if the defense gives you the opportunity and you've got holes everywhere, why not take advantage of that? Why not let Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh just do their thing? Well, I would say that the number one question I had about Georgia's offense going into the season is, would Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart let turn this offense more over to Stetson Bennett and their passing game? And obviously no competition for Stetson coming in this year. 
think they're willing to do that. I, I think to take that next step, to take that, you know, evolution, which Saban and other coaches have had to take, you have to let your quarterback go out there and make some plays. Look, Stetson Bennett averaged a huge yards per attempt number last year. And he's still, I think, around 12 or something, you know, this year. Those are big numbers even in college to have that many yards per attempt. So when they do throw the ball, they've always thrown it for a lot of chunks of yards and things like that. The other part about South Carolina is they turn the football over too much. So, I mean, Rattlers had, I think, three interceptions already this season. They turn the football over too much. You do that against Georgia, you're going to get – you turn the football over against Georgia and their defense and offense, you're going to get throttled out there. I'm with you, Mark. This I don't think this will be much of a game on Saturday. This will be another tune-up game for Georgia. And to add to what you said, Chuck, I think that Kirby has a, a, a trust in Todd Munkin, right? Because, you know, defensive mind, the head coaches, Nick Saban, it took him a while to come around on that. Like, hey, you can't run the ball with your 250-pound running back who runs a 4-5 50 times a game and win football games, right? Because when Lane Kiffin came in, he's like, hey, man, I want to I want to run my offense. And he finally let the reins go, and then you see what happened. And I think Kirby Smart is kind of going into that mode as well because – you know, Todd Munkin, like, in that first game, I was amazed. I was amazed because you saw wide receivers come across the formation. He put, he made the offense simple. Like, he put his quarterback in situations where it's either a one read or go. And you, if you don't, if it's not there, then I want you to go here, do the check down. Like, it was just, Stetson Bennett was, I can't believe I'm about to say this. He looked like an NFL quarterback for a hot second in that, in that first game because he keeps playing. It like was, it's going to get there. I don't know if it's not going to get the first round, but it, it's good. No, no, I'm not saying that. Somebody will take I a chance. I would never go from that. Yeah, somebody will take a chance on it because when you think about the, the, the concepts that he's using, that Ty Munkin is using, because we know he has that, that NFL experience and he's making a good case. Mark, I thought you made a good point. He's making a good case for possibly not being on this coaching staff next year because there are a couple of um, openings right now going on right now. Coach, guys, Todd Monk. Yeah, yeah. he's like the way he's done with the head coach too. Yes, no doubt. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the other part of it too, is that, you know, he wants to take that next step as well. So when you're, when you're the offensive coordinator for the number one team in America, guess what? Everybody's beating down your door to pull you in. Right. I mean, how do you think Kirby ended up in Georgia? Right. I mean, coming back home, Take him off the best staff in America and bring him back home. Yeah, and well, I think and I think that's going to happen. I believe that's going to wholeheartedly happen. I think this Todd Munkin is doing doing great thing with this offense, and I'm glad that Kirby Smart is kind of you know, hey, do your thing. You know, let's let's keep the main thing the main thing. But I'm gonna let you do your thing, and uh, it has been working wonders for Stetson Bennett and Georgia football team as a whole. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna be interested to see what the defense does as well. I think they only have one sack uh, so far this season. Kind of odd. That's kind of unusual for them. So I'm interested to see not just if they bring pressure, but just how that defense comes together just to put a little more pressure on Spencer Rattler. Yes, of course, quarterback hits and pressures, but I want to see some sacks as well. I want to see how those guys, how the dogs get home. Yeah, I mean, this is one of these games here. Georgia has already done a job this week of separating themselves from the field. Uh, This is one of those spots. and, And I think all college coaches have this in the back of their mind. Obviously, they just want to win the damn game. But they understand aesthetics matter, and they understand how statement games matter. Uh, and whether they tell you out loud that the rankings, I don't care, this, that, and the other, we're not playing for that. Yeah, all that stuff. Like Sam Pittman told you this week, yeah, the ranking matters, right? They're all paying yeah. attention to it. You'd rather be Recruiting, Mark. Recruiting. Yeah. That's you know, why I'm doing it. You know, it's fine. It's a, it's a perfect answer, but I'm just saying. Yes. Like, I always well, say about, that, that Kirby about, wants to go to where Georgia is. is. I mean, think about, think about this, Mark. Alabama went and beat Texas. They didn't lose to Texas. They still beat Texas. Close game or not, they still went and beat Texas. 
Georgia beat an FCS team, okay, which everybody knew that they were going to kick the crap out of. And Georgia still jumped them in the rankings. That should tell you a lot about where everybody in America thinks about Georgia right now, yes. not just it's hangover or that. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're, they're not 17 first place vote that first uh, week, although Alabama was in that number one spot. I thought that was very interesting when Alabama walks away with 44 of those first place votes, but Georgia walked away with 17. So I think that's yeah, something to I mean, So well. I think Kirby wants to make a statement win here uh, and, and go out and win big against this team. You know, again, Shane Beamer used to be on the staff, and I think the, that's a guy who keeps coming at you for 60 minutes. Uh, and remember, that game against Arkansas last week, Final score is a blowout. That's a 21 to 16 game heading into the fourth quarter with South Carolina having the ball. There was three turnovers in that fourth quarter that ultimately made that game get really ugly at the end. Uh, South Carolina plus eight and a half right here. Oh, wrong side. Thanks. Uh, nonetheless, a great heading into the final 15 minutes, but they uh, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. So uh, again, uh, Georgia's going to be, in, they are incredibly public back this week. It's like disgusting how much everybody is, is laying the wood with Georgia, but Hey, sometimes the public is right. So, uh, never a bad time to guys stay with Locked On Sports Atlanta. By the way, on Roku TV right now, on uh, Apple Fi- Apple Fire Stick, Amazon Fire Stick. Maybe if you go to <laughs> yes. Apple, buy your Amazon Fire Stick. Nonetheless, anywhere you get Roku TV, you guys can watch this program every single day. You can go watch Hitting Hard. You can watch ATL Day Ones, of course, A to Z. Our Braves postcast, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks. All that is going to be on Roku TV every single day. So, uh, if you guys want to digest it that way, please. Make sure you check it out there. Uh, leave the comments and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, you can follow us all on Twitter right there. You see as you're watching at Mark Zeno, at JMCH316, at Janita Batiste, at Jarvis D90, all of us on Twitter, and, of course, at Locked On ATL. So wishing you guys nothing but a very wonderful weekend. Uh, let's hope the Atlanta sports weekend goes better this weekend around than it did last weekend. Indeed. Yes. Go Falcons. <laughs> go Falcons, go Braves. Go Braves. We'll talk to you go guys Jets. next week. Have a great Friday. <laughs> talk to you guys soon. See ya. Y'all come back now, you. And go United. Yeah.